Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Who doesn't love good folklore? Paul Bunyan, the Loch Ness Monster, Robin Hood, Johnny Appleseed. I could go on, but what about Bigfoot? Or possibly Bigfoot. So we haven't ruled out Bigfoot as a possibility. No, that's still on the table. Is Bigfoot real? Maybe the better question is, what counts as proof that Bigfoot is real? This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Bigfoot, Yeti, Sasquatch, whatever you call it, the creature has drawn much fascination over the years. That's mostly thanks to grainy footage and snapshots being our best look. A body has never been found and there's been no documented encounters with humans. Is this giant, hairy creature actually real? A 2020 study from civicscience.com asked almost 3,500 Americans if they believed in Bigfoot. Just 11% were on board, so most people, non-believers. There was a story over the weekend that a woman in Shelby Township thought she saw Bigfoot, so she called the police. They got a call on the night shift, and what it was, a lady, her ring doorbell alerted her to some movement in front of her house. And the way she described it was that she saw a silhouette of something in front of her house, but it wasn't a person. So that's how it got called in, and then somehow it spun off into being a possible Bigfoot sighting and so forth. But like I said, the actual call came in that she saw a silhouette of something large in front of her house, and it was not a person. They kind of just took off from there. That is the voice of Mark Benedettini. He's a sergeant with the Shelby Township Police Department. So it sounds like this woman is not necessarily part of the 11% of Americans who are Bigfoot believers. But that got me thinking, is it possible? Can we say for sure either way? Last summer, WWJ's Michael Cohen spoke with Richard Meyer. He's the founder of the Upper Peninsula Bigfoot Sasquatch Research Organization. We have footprints. We actually have some on display. There's tree twists. People have had what they would call a Class A sighting where they've seen Bigfoot right there in front of them. If you were to describe what is Bigfoot, is it a single creature? Is it a group of creatures? Or... There's a breeding population of Bigfoots for them to have been around as long as they are. So it's more than one creature. There's males and females. Old ones and young ones. And about how many do you think exist in the Upper Peninsula? It's real hard to put a number on it. We've had multiple sightings at the same times of family groups from two up to ten. Why do you think scientists haven't backed this idea that these creatures exist? There are scientists that back it. Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum actually built his entire career on Bigfoot and the study of their tracks. He's got them recognized as the North American wood ape by a peer group. So it's not that they don't latch on to the idea, but at the same time, an up-and-coming scientist or professor is going to get laughed at when he brings the subject up. 
If I'm being honest, I didn't expect there to be a scientist who, quote, built his entire career on Bigfoot. But once I knew this was the case, I had to find this guy. Hello. Is this Dr. Meldrum? It is. Hey, Dr. Meldrum, it's Zach Clark from Detroit. How are you? Dr. Jeff Meldrum is a professor of anthropology and anatomy at Idaho State University. He also wrote the book on Bigfoot, literally. It's called Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. And yeah, he's all in on this idea. Oh, of course. It's a very real possibility and even probability. The fact that we now understand the pattern and process of human and hominoid evolution, the evolution of our family, our immediate ancestors, our closest kin amongst the primates, the great apes, is very diverse and very bushy. The pattern creates a context where some of those branches could very readily have persisted into the present. We now know that there were forms like Homo erectus that persisted up until 20,000 years ago in the known fossil record. So why is it such an inconceivable notion that there could be still persistent populations of some of those species in various quarters of the globe? When I was a kid in the 90s, blurry pictures were common for everybody. Cameras we had around the house didn't exactly have the capability that our smartphones do today. But these days, blurry photos are much harder to come by. And that's a big question, the blurry photos, when it comes to Bigfoot. Why has there never been a clear picture of the creature? Dr. Meldrum, he has an answer. The truth of the matter is, people, your average Joe, even with a smartphone, is a pretty terrible photographer in most instances. And under stressful circumstances, which conceivably accompany uh, the encounter of a large bipedal primate of unknown status, to have the composure even to get your phone out and attempt to take the picture. I mean, most pictures of Bigfoot are uh, instances of photobombing. They're just something that showed up in the background of an otherwise totally unrelated circumstance. People like Richard Meyer, Bigfoot hunters, they know what people say about them, that it's a joke or that it's junk science. Richard gets it. In fact, he used to be a denier too, but he says seeing is definitely believing. I invite any of them to come into the woods with me. There's people that go out armed to the teeth and everything else. I've hunted and fished my entire life, and when I go out into the woods to do my research, I generally carry a knife on my side and a walking stick. I don't go armed to the teeth. So I invite any of them to come on one of our expeditions, go on a BFRO expedition, which BFRO is the people that brought you the TV show Finding Bigfoot. They hold public expeditions all the time. Until you've gone out and actually heard the wood knocks or heard the heavy breathing from inside the bush that you can't explain and then find footprints there the next morning, it can be a laughing matter. I don't take myself 100% serious. That's my first expedition. I thought, I'm going to go on this expedition with these people. They're all going to take this more serious and I'm not going to find anything. I'm just going to laugh at it and this will be it. Well, then I got hooked. Since then, I've met people from every walk of life, from retired and living off-grid to the leaders of Fortune 500 companies that are out there that have seen Bigfoot and had experiences. For Dr. Meldrum, a guy that's been researching Bigfoot for like three decades, he says this is not about information. To him, the information is already there. The problem is people have made up their minds. They already have preconceived notions, and they're not changing them. You can approach it one of two ways, and I always find it interesting. The skeptics will belabor the missing, ultimate, conclusive piece of evidence, but they will ignore everything else. 
so you can flip it on its head and say, well, yeah, but look at these footprints. Look at this Patterson-Gimlin film, the footprint evidence. We have hair that defies identification to known wildlife. We have vocalization. There is other kinds of evidence out there. So are you going to fixate and be so myopic that you miss the forest for the trees by focusing on what you feel has to be there? Or are you going to open up and attempt to engage this remarkable body of evidence? I mean, that's why after 28 years, I'm still doing this and I have it on the shelf is because the evidence has convinced me. You've heard both Dr. Meldrum and Richard talk about footprints. They seem to be the defining marker of Bigfoot's existence, at least when it comes to the physical proof outside of a photograph. This whole footprint thing, it's actually a very specific expertise of Dr. Meldrum's foot morphology. My expertise is the footprint evidence. I research the adaptations to bipedalism in humans and human ancestors, how primates as an order get around and how humans emerged from that adaptive radiation. So there is compelling evidence, but you're right. The conclusive evidence is still wanting. That doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater and just this morning finished at the annual meetings of the Rocky Mountain Neurosurgeons Society, and they can appreciate the details that I'm drawing attention to. Here's the thing when it comes to Bigfoot. Dr. Meldrum is a big deal in the realm. I found this article in the Scientific American from 15 years ago about him. See, people, despite the list of evidence presented by Dr. Meldrum, many of his colleagues, they're not buying the pitch. In that article I mentioned, University of Florida professor Dr. David Daigling, he's a fellow anthropologist, he said, even if you have a million pieces of evidence, if all of the evidence is inconclusive, you can't count it all up to make something conclusive, end quote. Remember when I said that Dr. Meldrum literally wrote the book on Bigfoot? Well, Dr. Daigling, he wrote a book called Bigfoot Exposed, which is basically the book on Bigfoot denying. I kept coming back to the same question. Why don't we see Bigfoot more often? Believing in aliens is a bit easier, at least. It seems that way, thanks to the vastness of space. But the Earth, it's finite. If you ask Dr. Meldrum why this is, the species has survived because its desire to veil itself. A large-bodied primate that's very mobile, that probably has a very large home range, as indicated by repeat appearances of recognizable footprints, that is relatively solitary, is nocturnal, is very diverse, very generalized in its feeding habits. Anytime you have an animal with a few or all of those characteristics, they're always notoriously difficult to observe and to make contact with or capture. And this creature seems to have all of those in spades. And so, you know, then it's evolutionary advantage to stay away. And yet, because they're smarter than your average bear, with that intelligence comes curiosity. And so, you know, you get these stories about a Sasquatch gazing in a picture window at night. You know, they want to see what's going on. This podcast began with a 911 call, remember? Before I hung up the phone, I had to ask Sergeant Benedettini what the result of that police run was. You know, our officers checked the area, and there was nothing that they uh, were able to find in the area. So we don't know if it was just somebody walking in the neighborhood that you couldn't make out, or if it was a deer or some other animal, or possibly Bigfoot. We were unable to determine exactly what it was. So we haven't ruled out Bigfoot as a possibility? No, that's still on the table. Huh. Well, maybe Bigfoot is real. 
Big thanks to Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum and Sergeant Mark Benedettini for their time today. And thanks to my WWJ colleague, Michael Cohen, for his interview with Richard Meyer. You want news other than Bigfoot news? WWJNewsRadio.com has Metro Detroit covered like a blanket. Our theme music is written and produced by Ozone Music and Sound in Southfield. I'm Zach Clark and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.